Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to those who are joining us in the Fellowship Hall and online today. Today we're beginning a new sermon series called Mission Impossible, talk, taking us through the book of Acts in the Bible. And speaking of Bibles, if you'd like to use one today, our ushers will be bringing them up the aisles in the moment. Please just raise your hand and they'll hand you one to use today. The book of Acts is where the mission Jesus gave us after his resurrection actually hits the ground and starts changing the world. With Pentecost, we've already seen the Holy Spirit doing a new thing in Acts 1 and 2, and now Acts is where we see the mission of Jesus in action by the power of the Holy Spirit in people. Do any of you remember the old TV show Mission Impossible out there? Yep. Probably more of you are familiar with the movies since there were like six of them. But if you remember the old TV shows, you'll probably remember they started the same way. With the lighting of a fuse, a match is lit, and the fuse starts to burn its way across the screen, and different scenes pop up of all the events that will follow. Dun, dun, da, dun, 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 dun. Because once the mission is in motion, nothing is going to stop it. It's going to keep on moving, keep on burning, until at the end it finally ignites the powder. Dun, dun. <laughs> and the same is true with Jesus' mission put into motion. Because when Jesus entered into our human situation and died a sinless death on the cross, he put to death the hold that sin and death had on us. And when he rose to new life through the power of the Holy Spirit, he brought to life and set in motion a whole different story for us. Jesus' resurrection lit the fuse. He set in motion the events that will lead to the ultimate restoration of all things. And Scripture tells us the whole creation right now is groaning, waiting for the day when the old finally cracks and falls away and the new emerges, when death is swallowed up by life, when the kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, where he will reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords, and all things broken will be restored and all tears wiped away and all things are made new and the dwelling of the Lord will be with his people. And Jesus' resurrection has already put that future into motion, and nothing's going to stop it until all evil is put under his feet and the new creation begins. And that's the future. That's the good news. And he wants to share that life with you and with me. So will you trust him to be Savior for you, to make you new? Can you imagine that future? Theologian N.T. Wright says, Jesus' resurrection is a proclamation that God is going to bring the world back to right. So hold on to that. Because when Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near, he wanted us to know you don't have to wait until the end of days to know that kingdom. Because the king of that kingdom is right here with you right now. And he's already done the hard work of opening up that kingdom for us. But now we're being invited into the next part of the mission of his love, which is inviting other people in too. The mission now is to invite as many people as possible to share that life with Jesus that he won for us because love desires to be shared. And love can't be forced. It can only be invited. So this is the mission Jesus gives us in Matthew 28. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the mission, to make disciples, to draw people into this new kingdom. But you might have noticed that this series is called Mission Impossible, with the M crossed out. That's no accident. Because, in fact, this mission is impossible for us to accomplish by our own power. Our role in this disciple-making mission is basically spiritual introductions, but ultimately, you cannot make someone be a disciple of Jesus, can you? For that, they have to encounter Him. For this mission to be completed, it needs the personal intervention of a power that's greater than us. But thankfully, this mission comes with that promise attached, (laughs) with Jesus saying to us, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus tells us, I'm coming with you. And that's not just nice to know. It's essential to the mission because we're brought into the kingdom of God only by Jesus' saving work for us, delivered and applied to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But often, the way that this happens, the way that he chooses to bring people into the kingdom is through the efforts of those who are willing to serve as his agents of grace, people like you and me. As we baptize, as we teach, the spiritual power and promise of the Lord meets people in the earthly expressions of his love, even when they're applied by flawed and fragile people like us, sometimes even because people experience his love through flawed and fragile people like us. What's impossible for us alone is more than possible by his power. And that's how we see this mission getting accomplished all through the book of Acts. We see flawed and fragile human beings serving as agents of grace, introducing people to love and the forgiveness and the power of Jesus. And from one scene to the other, we never know, and they never know, just how the Holy Spirit is going to use them to accomplish that mission. So you might be saying, well, okay, but what does this have to do with me? What's my part in the mission? What does God want to do in my life, and how will I know? Well, sometimes I wish the Holy Spirit was as clear about that as it was in Mission Impossible, that he would drop me a pre-recorded message with instructions. Agent, your life's mission, should you choose to accept it, is to accomplish this specific purpose, and this is how, and this is why, and this is how it fits into the bigger plan, and this message will now self-destruct in 10 seconds. Wouldn't that be great? Though we might not experience that much information, our chapters from Acts today actually show us there are ways that the Holy Spirit can show you your mission for today. A good commander puts in place those agents who are best gifted for each part of a mission, and just how he'll use those smaller things to accomplish the bigger mission, that's his business. And often we only see in hindsight just what he was up to with our part of it, and that's the adventure of it. Take the disciples Peter and John. They were there when Jesus told them to go and make disciples of all nations in Acts 1. And they were there when the Holy Spirit empowered them to speak in languages that they didn't know so people from different nations could hear about Jesus in Acts 2. So you would think if they were taking Jesus' command seriously to go and make disciples of all nations, by chapter 3, they'd be out looking for a nation to claim. 
But instead, we find them going to the temple to pray because they're waiting for their personal marching orders. And honestly, I find that impressive because from what we know of Peter, impulsive has pretty much been his middle name. Act first, think later has pretty much been his motto up to this point. But here he's listening. And it's good that he was because in Acts 3 and 4 today, we find out their part of the mission of going out into all the world starts on the walk from home to the temple. So as we go through this story today, look and listen for how the Holy Spirit communicates their mission to them and what that might mean for you today. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible, you'll find it in Acts chapter 3. It's found on page 1596 in your Quest Bible. And in this story, Peter and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they'd probably done this hundreds of times before. But today, they cross paths with someone who is carrying a beggar, a man who was born unable to walk, to the temple courts where he would beg. And they watch as this person sets him down at a place, at a gate called Beautiful. And there are a couple of really beautiful things about this already. Because we know in Roman culture, a child born unable to walk would have just been left to die, considered worthless. But that's not this man's story. This man's family obviously loved and cared for him, and even now, in his adult years, someone cares enough to carry him where he needs to go. The fact that this man was even here to beg is evidence of love. He'd been carried. And now, as I said, Peter and John had probably seen this guy a hundred times before, but they'd never really seen him. You know what I mean? And that was different today. Today, the Holy Spirit made him unmissable. And that's the first sign of a mission. What is the Holy Spirit making unmissable to you? Have you ever experienced that? When the Holy Spirit is at work, it's almost like there's a spotlight all of a sudden placed on something that we're being called to pay attention to. Something that maybe we'd seen every day just stands out suddenly in a way that we can't ignore. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does that with a scripture. When you're reading, something just jumps out from the Bible that's clearly meant for you to notice today. Or a song lyric that you're hearing that immediately speaks to your spirit. Or sometimes, as in this story, it's a person in front of you. That's what's happening here. And this day, when Peter and John come to the gate called Beautiful, they both see something too beautiful to ignore and they can't look away because they suddenly saw in this broken man one who was infinitely precious to their Lord. And both Peter and John, at the same time, without even discussing it, respond to the Holy Spirit telling them, gentlemen, today this man is your mission. So let's take a look at the text in Acts 3, verses 4 through 10. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, from a purely logical perspective, 
we might think that Peter and John were off mission here. Because the mission, as we just heard, is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. So where does healing random beggars come in? Well, I'm sure Peter and John didn't know. <laughs> they were just trusting the marching orders of their commander. In fact, if Peter and John had come to the temple, fixated on their own how we're going to make disciples today plan, they might have missed the mission that the Holy Spirit was giving them entirely. Now, they could have gone into the temple themselves to try to tell people about Jesus, and maybe a couple people would have been curious until they got arrested. Lots of earnestness, little effectiveness, trying to do the mission by their own power. But contrast that to what the Holy Spirit had in mind here. The Holy Spirit made this beggar unmissable to Peter and John, showing them that he was being prepared for healing. So they spoke over him the power of Jesus who healed them, and before they knew it, an entire crowd was surrounding them, demanding to know just how this man was healed, to which they can answer, it wasn't us, it was Jesus. Now remember, it hadn't been two months since Jesus himself had been walking through these gates in the flesh. So everyone would remember who Jesus is. So when Peter and John say, it's Jesus who did this, they ask, is that the guy the temple leaders had crucified? Yes. He is the resurrected Lord, God's Messiah, and his resurrection power like this is here right now for you too. Could there be any better setup to introduce Jesus? So Peter goes for it. In Acts 4.12, Peter proclaimed of Jesus, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Bold. And of course, the temple leaders immediately want to silence them, to toss them, move them into jail, but it's too late. Because everybody knew that beggar at the gate, and everybody heard Peter and John say, Jesus did this. He's not done with this world. And everyone is shocked and overjoyed that such a miracle could even happen because the text tells us the man who was healed was over 40 years old. <laughs> Hard to imagine new life could be possible even for one so decrepit, right? It really says that. I'm not kidding. Acts 4.22. Look it up. There's hope that Jesus wants to give you a new life even if you're over 40, people. That's the word of the whoo. <laughs> That's the word of the day for some of you today. Yeah. Jesus is not done with this world. And the temple leaders didn't know what to do with these two. In Acts 4, 13 through 14, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. See, in trying to figure out what in the world was happening here, it was actually kind of distressing to the temple leaders that Peter and John were so ordinary. They weren't rabbis. They weren't prophets. They were fishermen explaining to this crowd why this man was healed. Fishermen who had been with Jesus claiming that he healed this man that everybody knew. How could they argue against that? Even throwing John and Peter into jail didn't stop everyone from wanting to know more about this Jesus who had been betrayed and rejected and killed and yet somehow was still healing and restoring and showing up in power outside the temple through these fishermen. 
lovingly restoring the beggar at the gate. Obviously, God was doing a new thing that couldn't be contained by the temple. And neither, turned out, could Peter and John. Since it wasn't illegal to heal someone, the temple leaders eventually had to let them go, warning them not to talk about Jesus anymore. To which they replied in Acts 4.19, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, you're not the boss of me. God is. And again, the temple leaders didn't outrank God, so they had no response to that either. So Peter and John go home. And clearly, these disciples are learning as they go. Peter and John didn't expect to heal anyone that day or to be talking to the crowds. Nothing about that day was planned. But they could see now it was going to be important that they ready their hearts to roll with what the Lord showed them, to keep their eyes open for their spotlight mission moments. So after Peter and John are released from jail, they go back to their friends, and in chapter 4, they immediately go into prayer together, saying, okay, Lord, we see what you're doing now. Help us pay attention to those side mission things. Help us not miss it if you want to do more of that. You take the lead, and we'll just follow. And the Holy Spirit shook the room. And that day, the number of people who called themselves disciple of Jesus grew to 5,000. Now, that might sound like a lot, but this was the total. At Pentecost, 3,000 believed. Now, at this point of the book of Acts, there were 5,000 disciples of Jesus on the planet. We're at the very beginning. We're only in chapter 4 of Acts. And obviously, the Holy Spirit has done a lot since, and He's not done yet. The mission continues. The mission that is impossible on our power alone is more than possible by God's power, and Jesus is still calling us into that mission. So how do you know your mission from the Holy Spirit today? What does the Lord want to be doing through you? Well, from Acts 3 and 4, here are some places where we might want to start. When you're looking for your mission for the day, start by asking, what is the Holy Spirit making unmissable in your life? In this moment, Peter and John couldn't help but notice this beggar in an unmissable way. So when you pray or when you go about your day, when you read Scripture, what keeps coming up that you just can't shake? What is the Lord putting a spotlight on in your life this week? Pay attention to it. Journal about it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to bring what he is saying to you about it into, into particular focus for you. And then secondly, look at what or who he's showing you. Because when their attention was drawn to the beggar, the very first thing Peter and John did was to look intently at him. 1 John 3.18 says that true love shows itself in action, but that kind of love always starts with truly seeing the one in front of you. We see with eyes of love when we ask the Lord to show us what he is seeing and to feel what he's feeling. Is there someone or something that your attention is being called to truly see that might lead you into a missional action? I read a story a while back about a nursing home where the care level for the residents was very poor. The young caregivers just didn't seem to connect with those needing the care until the head nurse had an idea. She found a picture of each resident when they were in their 20s, the age of most of their caregivers, and blew up each picture and framed it above the bed. So when the caregivers came into the room, the first thing they saw was a face they could relate to, a peer. And then when they looked down into the bed at the person needing care, they saw them differently. 
They saw a person like themselves. And overnight, the care and the conversation between them improved drastically. Because truly seeing someone leads to love in action. So is there something the Lord is calling you to see with different eyes? Look and listen for what Jesus is telling you about that. And then three, let them know that you see them. After Peter and John truly see what the Lord is showing them about this beggar, that he's being prepared for healing, the very first thing they ask him to do is look at them. And that's for his benefit. So he can see that they see him. In this busy world, what a gift it is to know that you have truly been seen by someone, isn't it? When the Lord has shown you that something matters to him, respond to it. If it's a person, let them know that you see them. If it's a message from the Lord, let him know that you see it. Engage with what it is that you're seeing. And then number four, show them that Jesus sees. Having gotten the beggar's attention, Peter and John could finally tell him that Jesus had seen him and what Jesus wanted to do for him. And from that point on, it was Jesus' power that changed his life. But they were faithful to engage and speak the words of blessing and healing and invitation to be his agents of grace. So when you notice those things the Holy Spirit is throwing a spotlight on for you, is there an action the Lord is leading you to take? What might that look like for you? Here are just a couple of examples of Holy Spirit missions from our own church family. One of our members here at church spends every morning in a quiet time of prayer with her Lord, and she leaves time at the end of those sessions for her daily mission. Because every day as she prays, the Lord often gives her a name of someone to call or text or write a card to or encourage. And sometimes it's clear to her why that person needs that touch. Sometimes it isn't. But as she does her part, people know that she sees them and more importantly, that Jesus sees them too. Another member here has a ministry of reaching out to help people with things they're not able to do alone. And he has found, as he does, that the neighbors of the people that he's helping notice that he's doing it. And they come and talk to him about how they also can reach out to help. You see, when you see spotlighted what Jesus is seeing, often your response to it will lead others to respond as well. Which leads to the last one, Always give him the glory for what he's done. Both Peter and John were quick to give the glory to Jesus for what he'd done because they knew what this action says about who he is. And it's always God's kindness that leads us to repentance, to turn back to him. The Lord's deep compassion and love for us moves us to want to know him more. And in this story, it was seeing this Savior's love for the beggar at the gate beautiful. Seeing this Lord knows and notices his need that made people want to know him. Because a God like that, a Savior like that, just might see and value me too, right? Because the truth is we are all broken. We all need restoration. We all need to be made new. We all need saving. And that's what Jesus does by seeing us, by inviting us to see him and by healing us with his saving love. And as Peter introduced Jesus in Acts chapter 3, 21, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. But in the meantime, Jesus is hope for us right now 
Peter says in Acts 4.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Jesus said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And he wants hope and life for you right now with him. So with eyes and hearts open to the spotlight prompts of our mission commander, your mission for today, should you choose to accept it, is to see and to help the world see one heart at a time the love of the one who came to show the heart of God to the world until all this broken world is made new in his glory. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us, seeing our need, and meeting us in our place of need. Help us to have hearts wide open to see the work that you want to do in us and through us. Lord, teach us to listen for you, to see the things you call us to notice, so that you might use us as agents of your grace. Let your mission begin in us today as you draw us into the joy of your kingdom come in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.